0: So hello,
1: everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today. And today's topic is one that's really close to my heart. I am a massive introvert. Yeah, I love being on stage and being around people, but I am a huge introvert. And Joanna Rawbone is with us today. She is a champion of the cause to remove extroversion bias from the workplace. And she's seen firsthand how it can undermine engagement, productivity and performance, as well as impacting mental health. So what we're going to cover in this interview today is what is being an introvert, some of the myths around it, why understanding it is so vital for hybrid working and how to include introverts naturally to enable us to play to our strengths the soul led leaders podcast is for corporate leaders who are making waves and changing the rules with their hearts not just their heads but they know that their secret 3am self-talk is getting in the way where others stress about the status quo you're the action taker who drives the changes and making a difference and being a crusader is hardwired into your dna the soul led leader podcast is here to help led by Claire Yosa, law changer, eight times author and international speaker. Each episode is designed to help you to clear out the secret glass ceilings you never realized you put in your own way so that you can step up showing up with all of who you really are and reclaim your power to make the difference you know you are really here to make in the world with clarity, confidence and passion. So Joanna, welcome and thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome. It's a
0: real pleasure to be here, Claire. So thanks for the invite.
1: You're welcome. So, Joanna, just before we start to set the scene, could you give us a quick tour of how you ended up specialising in supporting introverts and removing extroversion bias from organisations?
0: I can indeed. And it is an interesting story, I think. I've been working as a Well, originally, it was so long ago, I started working as a trainer before we became posh and it became learning and development. So I started working as a trainer when I was still at BT in 1987. So I've been doing this longer than some of our audience will have been on this planet. And I say that because I love what I do. And I, you know, I absolutely loved that particular role I left BT in 94 and set up in business on my own and had you know a whole range of international clients. I worked as an associate of some training organizations. And what I realized is how big the personalities were of some of the trainers I was working alongside. And they seemed to be more entertainers than trainers. So a part of my brain, having always known that I was quiet, I was different, a part of my brain thought, right, well, I better turn it up then if I want to be perceived in the same way as they are. It was in my thirties that I did the Myers-Briggs type indicator, found out I was an introvert and read. I know some people really critical of Myers-Briggs, but I read that little paragraph or two of description. And it was like, how can somebody see into my soul as much as that particular description did? But what it didn't do was help me understand how to manage that introversion. So what it gave me a clue was to do was to how to be more extroverted. So I spent another couple of decades ramping up the extroversion because that's the bias, you know, the society that we exist in. And then I finally got mad enough. You know, when old ladies get to that age where it's like, okay, I can say what I feel, what I really feel now. And it was just before I got to my 59th birthday, I I had enough. I got mad enough working around the world and constantly seeing introverts being overlooked, being criticized, being given feedback that they needed to, or frankly, be more extrovert, push yourself forward, speak up more, do this, do that. And so many of them have such brilliant contribution to make and organizations are missing it. So it was when I got mad enough, I thought, right, it's time for flourishing introverts, because if not me, who, if not now, when? So flourishing introverts was born.
1: That's a wonderful story, Joanna. And I I remember back in my corporate days, the first time I did Myer's Briggs, I actually came out as an extrovert, which really surprised me. But it was because it was measuring behaviours. yeah. And I had had to change who I was and how I was showing up to be able to thrive in a very heavily extrovert environment. So. Yeah, there are a lot of us out there, but in case people, just starting at the beginning, in case people are kind of like falling for that old thing about introverts are shy and not confident, how do you define introversion versus extroversion?
0: I go back to the original Jungian definition. I'm a big Jungian as opposed to a Freudian. So I go back to the Jungian definition, and it was Jung who originally identified that it's what charges and drains the batteries that differentiates between introvert and extrovert. So introverts are charged by being alone, solo activities, or if they're with other people, as you know, my husband and I frequently are, in companionable silence. So we don't need busyness. We don't need a lot of hustle bustle around us. Whereas extroverts are charged by social interaction, active experiences and change. So the very thing that charges the introvert drains, as uh, charges the extrovert drains the introvert and that's where some of the tension in organization arises because the extroverts cannot understand why we don't join in with the chatter why we don't you know get fired up by being in in kind of quite sparky environments and a lot of that is is really because what we're trying to do is to hang on to what little mental battery we have in order to do our best work, because most of us, that's why we're employed to do great work. And yet, the very environment we exist in. So, the, you know, people wrongly assume that introverts lack ambition because we don't always say me, me, me and push ourselves forward. People wrongly assume that introverts are lonely because we like time alone. There is a huge difference between being alone and being lonely, that we're boring, that we're dull. I was called dull as. Uh, earlier on in my career. And that really kind of really landed and really hurt, actually, because I realized that because I wasn't an entertainer, I wasn't funny, that I, was, that I was dull and boring. And, you know, so the myths and misconceptions go on. If you Google introvert, you'll get a whole raft of really negative things, you know, in terms of Uh, including egoist in terms of loner, shy, depressed, social anxiety, all those sorts of things. And you Google extrovert and it's lively, witty, Uh, you know, so who would ever put their hand up and claim to be an introvert when that's the perception that there is around us? Fortunately, that's changing, but it's taken too long to change.
1: So we've got a great comment here in the chat already, Joanna, is I must say that such a session as this is needed in every workplace There's such a bias against introversion. Thank you for hosting this today. So, yeah, I remember in my last corporate role. By that point, I'd realized I was really strong on the introversion. Yeah, I used to have to get in at seven in the morning and stay till seven at night just so I could have some quiet time in the open plan office to get my work done. And then by that point, all of the extroverts had actually gone out to the pub and they decided <laughs> I was a little miss antisocial because I was like, but I've used my batteries today. You know, at the end of a conference, the extroverts are all there saying, right, which bar, which club, which pub? And I'm hiding under the table thinking, how soon can I get back to my hotel room? But it doesn't mean I don't love the people. Exactly. And it really impacts our ability to network and be visible and be seen. Absolutely.
0: And and I remember exactly the same thing. We, would, we were delivering a large scale training to a, an investment bank for their 120 grads. And I was working with some extroverted colleagues. And, you know, w- one of the most extroverted at the end of the day would say, right, me and my group are going to the pub. And I said, good, I'm going back to my hotel room. So
1: exactly the same. <laughs> exactly. this, But we do get so judged for it. So when we're looking at hybrid, What does hybrid mean to the different personality types and what will their preferences be likely to be? I think we need
0: to really distill down what hybrid truly means because so many organisations are claiming to offer hybrid working when actually what they're not doing is is offering that. They're offering flexible working. True hybrid working is where people choose where they get their work done and, and often when they get their work done too. So many introverts will have found that during lockdown they were more productive if they lived in an introvert-friendly household and if they, you know, had somewhere that wasn't sitting on their bed working. So often they found they were more productive. Um, And so with with true hybrid working, if I can choose where I get my work done – then what I'm probably going to choose is majority of my time at home or out of an open plan office. I may choose a coffee shop if it's quite a quiet one, if I know I can get good Wi-Fi and get stuff done. It doesn't mean I have to be locked away at home, but I'm probably as an introvert not going to choose to rush back into the office if it's an open plan office and everyone is going to be hail fellow, well met and all that sort of stuff whereas many extroverts are craving that because in um lockdown really hasn't suited them it's it's like imagining an extrovert working in a library you know that's going to drive them crackers whereas it's quite a good job for many introverts so extroverts are going to be the first to want to go back into the office And ironically, what I found is the first to judge people who don't want to go back. So people who say, do you know what? Actually, I'm fine working from home. You can see by my stats I'm really productive. But they're judged as being not team players or, you know, not really committed to the organization or not really ambitious. So we really need to take care of the judgments that are being made. So that's likely to be how people will choose to work in in a real hybrid situation.
1: That's so important. That judging is something I'm seeing a lot at the moment in organisations. And unless you've got an excuse to work from home which your personality type is not deemed sufficient then you will be judged and potentially excluded but Joanna I know something that else is really important to you is about the tale of two lockdowns and how lockdown has been different for these two personality types
0: yeah so one of the things that we you know we really think about with the tale of two lockdowns is is really starting to think about um if I'm if I'm working in a home environment that's introvert-friendly where I'm surrounded by, um, by radiators, people who give me energy, so that one of the myths and misconceptions is that introverts don't like people. That's not introversion. Um, so we need to be really kind of clear that introverts love people, but what we love is people who get us, people who understand us, people who give us space. So, you know, if I've been working in that introvert friendly space with people who give me energy, who give me space, then it's been an absolute joy. Um, but, you know, many of us, if we've been trying to manage childcare and a husband working or a partner working from home at the same time, it has been far from easy. So it's wrong to say that all introverts have thrived during lockdown really not true it depends on the environment and and that's one of the important things to rem- that I'd love organizations to think about is that environment and Alexander Dan Heyer, um Dan Heyer has a wonderful phrase that he says it's something long I may misquote so forgive me but something along the lines of you know if a flower fails to to bloom we don't blame the flower we check the environment or the conditions it's growing in And that's the approach that we really need to bring to our talent and people management is if somebody's not thriving, you know, it's not necessarily that they're at fault, they're wrong. Let's check the environment that we're expecting them to flourish in.
1: Absolutely. Such an important point. Now, a very quick question before we move on to the next topic is can we change over time? Yeah. Can we swap our preference? Is it black and white? Is it a sliding scale? How does that work, Joanna? So
0: one of the things that I've, um, I've got is a, an introvert quiz that helps people identify what type of introvert they are because it's not as simple as being we're introvert or we're extrovert. For some of us, it is. For some of us, that preference is so clear, but it is a preference. And what we need to be really clear about is that behavior sits on top of that preference. So I will always, always, always have a need to recharge quietly on my own. I'm very aware of when my mental battery is starting to drain. I check it almost like I do my phone battery, because I can feel when when I'm starting to check out mentally, if not physically. And those who love me and know me will even comment and say, hello, Joe's checking out. And what they do is just give me space in that moment. So So introvert and extrovert will tend to have that need either for any busy environment, which is the extrovert, or a quieter environment, which is the introvert, in order to recharge. Myers-Briggs actually says that the older we get, the less attached we get to our preferences, but we're always going to have that either need to recharge on our own or either need to recharge with other people and with that busy environment. And then what we can be is, is more flexible. So when I'm working with Myers-Briggs, because I'm a certified practitioner in organizations, one of the things we do with leaders is help them understand how to f- how to flex elegantly between the styles. When we're problem solving, how to take account of the different styles. So do we change not really. We get less attached. But what we do, I find, is that we get more um, more self-aware and we understand ourselves better. So in my case, where I'd pretended to be extroverted for so long, and a bit like you were saying, Claire, I then get to the point of saying, enough pretense. I'm not pretending anymore. I'm going to be me. I'm going to own my strengths. I'm going to play to them. And I'm going to talk about introversion as and all the positive qualities rather than pretending. So I don't know that we actually change. What I think we do is we, we are less attached, we can flex easier, and we know ourselves better.
1: That's a great answer. And I know, for example, one of the things I have to do is, is you're saying you check your energy levels. I choose to spend mine like money. Yeah. So on Sunday, for example, last week, we had a fantastic day. I had three really big events. We had to travel a couple of hours to get there. Um, three things we were doing, meeting up with lots of different people. I knew it was going to take a lot of people energy. So for a couple of days beforehand, I cancelled all people time apart from my family. Yeah. And on Monday, I made sure I had no client meetings because I had to build up my people bucket Absolutely. to use it on Sunday And I knew that on Monday, I would need to refill it through quiet time, working at home on my own in my office. I do the same for keynotes. You know, when people say a keynote is you just show up for an hour, Claire. Well, you know, I actually start prepping for it energy wise a couple of days before to build up enough energy. And if I go straight from that keynote into more meetings, I will have two days in bed with a migraine absolutely and there is a very well recognized path from introvert
0: overwhelm through into introvert hangover through into introvert burnout and unless we do exactly as you've done and and pre-charge and then recharge then we're going to fall foul of that and we're going to be no good for anything so it's such a good strategy
1: falling foul of it and being no good for anything many times (laughs) What made me develop it? But yeah. you can imagine everybody listening and watching to this, either live or on the replay, you can imagine as a leader, as a line manager, as a colleague, if we've got introverts and we're pushing them into lots and lots of people time without accepting and helping them to plan in their ability to recharge their batteries, that it's going to cause major problems. You know, Back in the days where we were hopping onto planes, trains and cars every day to go to different places then that was incredibly draining for introverts. And when we push on through, as you say, Joanna, it triggers burnout, which is one of my real pet topics. Yes, absolutely. So when, when we're looking at making the working environment more introvert-friendly, because it's a large proportion of people, isn't it, something like around 40% of, of employees? Well, the, the data that I've got
0: says huh. that 40, about 47% of UK um, uh, individuals identify as an introvert 53% of US. And yet we think of the US as being wow. a much more extroverted society. Hmm. But that means there's even more people pretending to be extroverted in order to fit in. So it's just it is, incredible. It, it is a huge, you know, this is this is such a significant number, we can't afford to overlook it.
1: No, absolutely. And when I look at my soul led leadership work, I talk about courageous alignment, which is where we're totally lined up with who we really are and comfortable in our own skin. So we can show up as all of who we are as a leader. If we're having to pretend to be extrovert, something that we're not, then the unconscious message that's giving us is, Claire, you're not good enough. And you can imagine how that will trigger things like my other pet subject of imposter syndrome. Absolutely.
0: and, And that's a lot of the work I do with the introverts because they've had years or decades of being told to be different. So the overwhelming message and because it happens, it starts so early in childhood. Often, by the time people are getting into their senior schools and on into employment, they're already at that point of thinking they're not enough. So, their inner critic is usually overactive. That imposter syndrome can then get triggered by that. And, you know, it's a real problem. And I'm working with people in their 40s and 50s who are only just realizing that. There's nothing wrong with them. They're just an introvert. And we've got decades then of of them not being good enough to kind of unpick and rework. So it's a real problem for people.
1: It's a really big issue. Yeah, because we judge ourselves. We assume that we're the one that's broken, needs fixing somehow because we're not conforming to the stereotype. This is fantastic.
0: And that's why I'm so committed to, I know this is a huge undertaking, but it's why I'm so committed to shifting the extroversion bias. It's why I did my TEDx talk. It's why I'm doing the work I'm doing, rattling the cages of organisations saying, you know, if you think you've got a good DEI policy, think again, because unless you're taking into account this aspect of neurodiversity, you're kidding yourselves.
1: Absolutely. And we're putting so much effort in for minorities that are actually much, much smaller than this. Yes. And completely ignoring that nearly 50% who yes. will really struggle with open plan offices and hot desking and all of that kind of thing, which which segs us on to what can we do? With genuine hybrid working, when we know that people aren't going to have their old working environment, what can we do to make that introvert friendly, particularly as the evidence that you and I are seeing that we've discussed before, is that a lot of the return to work committees are being led by the extroverts who are desperate to get back in the office.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a couple of things that are quite quick wins. One is to banish forever back-to-back meetings, Because talking about recharge, you know, when we're expected to either on Zoom or when we're back in the office, when we're expected to attend back to back meetings, introverts don't get that downtime. Now, my big worry actually is not just for the introverts, but it's for the whole business community when do we get the work done that was generated by that meeting when we have a culture of back-to-back meetings? And I can tell you when people get it done at seven in the evening or nine in the evening or seven the next morning, because they look at their next day and their calendar and it's chocker or, and I've seen this quite often, they don't, They're not fully present in the meeting because they're busy doing the work that came out of the meeting before, and all of which is a complete waste of people's time. So I think banishing back-to-back meetings would absolutely be one of the things that I'd, I'd, I'd say straight away. And also making sure that in the horrendous kind of situation that is open plan offices, that there are quiet spaces for people to work. You know, my niece is a teacher and when she came to my TEDx talk, one of the things she implemented after that is that she now has a quiet table in her classroom, not as a punishment, but for children who choose to go and sit on the quiet table so that they can focus and do their work quietly. They're choosing that environment. We need the same in our office spaces. And I was talking to a, a colleague recently who said she met the person, the man who invented open plan offices. She said, and I was considering kneecapping him. And
1: <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, I don't think I, I, I'm normally very restrained. I don't think I'd be polite. <laughs> No, exactly. Exactly.
0: And, you know, I I understand it and I understand it from an, you know, an an economic perspective. And actually having those little offices wasn't much good either, because, you know, a little office with three introverts and an extrovert was just a living hell as well. So, you know, I understand. But let's be tolerant of it. If introverts ask to wear headphones, for instance don't automatically assume that it's because they're unsociable and they're disconnected and they're disengaged. Far from it, potentially, what they're doing is they're focusing to get into flow to do their best work. So let's really inquire and ask, what is it? What kind of situation, what environment brings out the best in you? And let's do that as a team. Let's do that as an organization. Let's have those conversations rather than assuming that everyone is just waiting to leap back. And, you know, I've got really frustrated with people saying, I can't wait for things to get back to normal. People, there is no going back. What we're doing is co-creating a new normal. And let's do that intelligently and with diversity and equitable inclusion at the heart of it.
1: This is so important. I mean, I remember back in my last corporate role, sometimes the only way I could get work done during the day was to go and hide in a meeting room with earphones in, playing some of that like binaural music in the background. And they were noise cancelling earphones because there was nowhere quiet. And the work I was doing required me to process huge amounts of data and draw conclusions and make strategic recommendations. And I couldn't do it in a noisy environment. You know, for me, one of the big triggers was telephones. You know, there was a telephone going off almost constantly in that 200 person environment. And the phone's ringing a lot less now, but we've got everybody on meetings where you can only hear half the conversation. We've got Teams, Teams pings, you know, all of the apps pinging constantly. It's going to be really hard for an introvert to find that quiet space. And it's something that businesses really need to build into their strategy, isn't it, Joanna? And I think the other
0: thing is, because you're absolutely right, I have a client who has seven different ways that information can get to her in the workplace. So before she starts a piece of work, she has to check all seven to see if something has come in that is going to change the way she's going to approach something. And, and, you know, that is just bonkers. So I think organizations also need to rationalize how we are contactable so that we're not overwhelmed with this stuff and. You know, one of the things that, and I, I guess it might have been um, designed by an extrovert as well, uh, is the kind of you know, you, the jabber, the yammer, those kind of instant messaging things. Because of course we must be instantly contactable. And how do how do we expect people to do their best work when we ping them a message, interrupt them from what they're doing, expect them to respond immediately? Let's go back and understand how people work. So that what we can do is design workplaces where people are productive and get their best work done.
1: This is so vitally important because even an extrovert will be distracted by that pain. Yeah, yeah. Then you say, will. go on. <laughs> I was say that they will be distracted,
0: but the chances are it will feed their battery because it's something interesting, something exciting, somebody needs me, Something want, somebody wants something, it will interrupt their flow. But the next piece of research that I want to do is whether it's easier for introverts to get into flow because we have this kind of approach that we have. I suspect that extroverts typically will find it an alien concept or, or much more difficult, certainly, because they are, you know, they're they're almost the the butterfly who kind of oh the next thing the the so that email pop up that comes at the bottom of your screen is very seductive because it's like oh somebody wants me somebody wants something, whereas an introvert will find it much harder easier to turn that alarm uh, that alert off or that notification off so that they can focus.
1: Absolutely. And yet so many cultures at the moment, particularly over lockdown, because we've got this drive to prove that we're still delivering what we're meant to be delivering, have created an environment where, as you say, with your client, you have to check all seven sources of contact before you can start work on a project. And that simply isn't good for productivity. Indeed. Indeed. Brilliant. So one of the other things that's really important about, you okay there? Yeah. (laughs) I, yeah. I've got automatic lights, and if I don't move enough, they go off and it's just oh, gone. fantastic. <laughs> so, one of the things that's also really important as we look at what hybrid working will mean is a lot of teams want to rebuild, and a lot of the extroverts in the teams are like, let's go out for dinner, let's go out for drinks, doing all of this extra socializing. And we're not anti-social as introverts, but what can businesses do both as they reintegrate with the team building? And then also to make sure that introverts are not missing out because they're not in line of sight visibility in the office as much as the extroverts.
0: Yeah, this is a piece of work I've done with a client of mine recently because the the whole thing about hybrid working and, and let's imagine an organization is using hybrid effectively in terms of people choose where they get their work done. Chances are it's going to be the extroverts who are in the office more often. And because they're then front of mind, they're likely to be offered more of those exciting opportunities. So I think it's about managers having to do a little bit more thought around, okay, what opportunities are coming up? who might be the right person to do this, either because it's their skill set or they need to get involved in something like that, rather than just considering who happens to be in front of them in the moment. So I think it's important that managers, you know, I I hate to say it, but probably almost have a spreadsheet actually of what opportunities are coming in, who's being offered what, so that, you know, everyone is getting an equal share of some of the exciting work. And when it comes to team building, you know, there are many introverts who really the thought of high ropes kind of team building and, you know, bursting balloons and doing whatever really doesn't work for them. And it comes back to because we as introverts, our communication process tends to be think, say, think. So when somebody asks us a question, we genuinely want to think about the answer to give our honest response. So a lot of those those types of activities don't really require a thought through through response. It's fun because people don't realize that fun is very subjective. So I think it's about leaders and managers identifying what kind of activities would genuinely rebuild this team so that it's not just about we've had a great night out or we've been 10 pin bowling. I mean, I don't know how that builds teamwork. I really don't. I don't mind 10 bowling, but I don't see how it adds to teamwork. So I think it's about looking at this in terms of what worked for us as, as, as a function or as a team during lockdown and what do we want to bring with us. Let's bring the best of lockdown with us so that we have intelligent conversations with us and we get to understand what makes each other tick. Because I'm all about inclusivity rather than further divisions And that means that we need to understand each other better and we need to understand and be tolerant of difference and appreciate it and value it and start to see how it complements what each of us does. So it's not introverts against extroverts. And unfortunately, I'm a member of a few introvert communities where all they do is complain about extroverts. That's not the point either. We need to understand that they need that social interaction in order to recharge as much as we don't need it. So let's make the team building really understand and you know, perhaps even use something like the Patrick Lencioni, you know, triangle in terms of if it starts with trust. And you know, trust is, the, is is the the basic of a functional team. What does trust look like to each of us? What do we need to do in order to trust each other? And let's surface some of those previously undiscussables about well, when Joe's not in the office, it's it's because she's not committed. No, when Joe's not in the office, it's because she's doing great work elsewhere. So let's have intelligent team building, not subjective fun team building. That frankly is just an excuse for a bit of a party.
1: Absolutely. And one of the great comments we've got here is we have exactly this problem in our office. So many sport related social events. It doesn't suit a lot of people. I still remember in my very first job after university being forced to join the baseball team because yeah. you had to have at least one woman on the team every week to be allowed to play. And I was an engineer, so There weren't many of us. I hated it. It was humiliating and mortifying. But I was told if I didn't do it, I would never get promoted because I wouldn't be seen as a team player. And I think one of the other things that comes up, because so many of our leaders have had to pretend to be extroverts to get to where they are, there then becomes this thing where they actually judge the introverts for not playing that same game. And what we actually need is a huge amount of healing on, I'm really sorry that you've had to pretend to be somebody that you're not for so long in order to succeed, now it's time to support everybody. As you say, this is a neurodiversity issue. This is something that needs to be at the core of EDI strategy. Yeah. This isn't a bunch of people asking for special treatment because we've suddenly decided we're special snowflakes. This is us saying we cannot thrive in an extrovert environment long term. We've just had 15 months experiencing the opposite in many, in many situations. Yeah. Yeah. We now need to bring all of us into the workplace rather than pretending to be somebody that we're not.
0: Spot on. And, and, you know, that message is so important. I'm not after special treatment. I'm after a level playing field. You know, if if we're creating environment in which only, you know, 51 percent of our employees thrive, then that's discrimination. So let's have a level playing field where we can all thrive.
1: That's brilliant. Brilliant, Joanna. So to wrap up, I know that you've got some battery boosters for introverts. Could you share those with us and tell people how they can get their hands on them?
0: Yeah. So I developed these talking about that journey from overwhelm into hangover into burnout. And I've only hit burnout once and it was a a three month long thing that I really don't want to repeat. What I realized is I needed some quick strategies and techniques that I could use that kept me going when I, you know, just had to keep going for the rest of the day. You know, like we have those little battery chargers that give our phone an extra hours of juice It's, It's kind of like that. So I have a number of different techniques that I've developed that work for me, and they're available as a a download for people either to try them and then create their own. But they're very simple things like using acupressure points, you know, the third eye or this point here, which brings us back to uh, being able to focus again. Using essential oils, lemon in particular is really great for focus. So if there is stuff going on around me and I need to get back and focus, something like lemon oil can be really useful for that. I have crystals and I usually have one tucked down my top actually if I'm going to somewhere and I need a bit of protection. Movement is really important. You know, if I'm if I am in a, a place where there's lots going on and I need to think, I will do a walking meditation or I will do a walking thinking practice. And if I need to recharge the battery, just a quick up and down stairs a few times or, you know, so I'm, I'll make the excuse that I'm taking myself to the bathroom. But I'll go a little I'll go the long way round in order just to get me moving a bit. And if I'm working at home or on my own in the office, a dance break will work really well, too. So simple little techniques that exactly that just give us that extra boost we need. And they're available at flourishing, uh, flourishing and it's just a simple download and use it as a starter for 10, but find the, find the things that work for you. So for me, they're brilliant little techniques.
1: Fantastic. Thank you, Joanna. And what is the best way for people to connect with you? Obviously, you're Joanna Rawbone on LinkedIn. What's, what's your website? How do you like people to get in touch?
0: Um, if you go to um, flourishingintroverts.com, uh, flourishing my website has my podcast, has my TEDx talk, has a few musings and has kind of a, what it is that I'm about. So that's probably on the quiz to find out what type of introvert you are. So everything is in that kind of one-stop shop.
1: Thank you so much, Joanne. And I have to say, for those of you who've been in the chat on the live round of this, saying, I need my workplace to read this or to see this or hear this, please feel free to share the replay of this session. And also, I have to say, Joanna's TEDx talk is a very well-spent 20 minutes. I watched it before I first connected with her and went, there is nobody else I want to talk to on this topic.
0: Brilliant. Well,
1: and there's a couple of good articles
0: that I'm very happy for people to have. One was in diversity and inclusion leader Uh, last week or the week before, and one was in HR director. So if you want something with a bit of clout to send to the right people, those are the kind of articles you'll need to send them.
1: Thank you so much, Joanne. I'm going to wrap this session up today. It's been wonderful that you've shared your time, your wisdom, your inspiration. Thank you for those who've been live with us for your questions and your feedback. And everybody go and take some action. Yeah. What is the one thing that you could do in your workplace to support introverts to flourish and thrive as we move back from whatever we've been doing into hybrid working, whatever new normal we co-create and go and take that action in the next 24 hours.
0: Perfect. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure talking with you, Claire.
1: Thank you, Joanna show notes deep dive resources and access to claire's inspirational weekly soul led leaders email is available for you at claireyosa.com forward slash soul led leaders